1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
0: Yeah Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee.
2: BioAnno Power provides the highest performance lithium-ion phosphate batteries for the marine market. These batteries are one-quarter the weight of sealed lead acid batteries, provide over 2,000 to 3,000 charge cycles, and a 10-plus year service life. These batteries can be used for any deep cycle application, including running fish finders, trolling motors, live wells, and LED lights. For more information, visit bioanopower.com. That's B-I-O e-n-n-o-p-o-w-e-r.com or contact dealers nationwide welcome to the
3: paddle and fin podcast network this is the final cast segment with your hosts brad hicks and josh eldridge where we cast our final opinions on all products good and bad welcome to the final cast You're listening to the final cast on Pal and Finn Podcast Network. I'm Brad. What's up, Brad? What's up, man? Who's going? What's up, Brad? <laughs> What's up? I like that. I don't think we've ever had a guest come in like that. That's awesome. Hey, you know,
4: I, I got to bring myself here. So let's let's go.
3: <laughs> uh, we have a cool guest tonight, man. Something we haven't done on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about guide fishing on Lake Erie with Captain Andrew Fool. Welcome to the show.
4: Hey, thanks guys for having me tonight. Uh, Glad we were able to make this work. I know we tried last week and some things came up, but here we are. So thanks again for uh, having me on. To be honest, it feels kind of funny without seeing Bailey's face on the screen here because I see him like two, three (laughs) times a week and then talk to him a hundred times. And now he's doing his whole uh, working man gig. So I don't talk to him nearly as much now. So this is nice Mm. to see some fresh faces, I must say.
3: <laughs> Heck yeah! So let's start off with that. I uh, I know you are co-host on the Serious Angular Pod podcast, but how long have you been doing that? And uh, just let everybody know what it's all about.
4: So what are we at now? We're at, I think we're going on like episode 240. We might be past 240. We're somewhere in there. I joined in at episode 100, I believe we made that announcement a little over a year ago. We were running three episodes a week. We've since cut it down to two because we're just insanely busy with everything that Bailey has going on, everything that I have going on. So we're just trying to make it work, bringing... Um, just the stories of every angler we come across that we think would be fun for people to listen to and maybe even get some information out of them and what's going on trends. You know, mm-hmm. you guys do basically the same thing. You talk about baits a lot, right? Bad, mm-hmm. good, lunker hunt spiders. Let's go. So, yeah. you know, whatever, but yeah, that's, we're all doing the same thing, right? We're talking fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to grow social networks so we can network and communicate with fellow like-minded anglers, just, to uh, confide in a passion that we all have as one so we have some commonality out there in the world and the world of crazy so Mm -hmm. i i appreciate everything that all these podcasters do it's awesome
3: it's definitely fun man i enjoy it a lot um i was on the show probably about a year and a half ago that was before you were on there
4: yeah josh
3: were you a cast too uh
2: no i think i did an episode with him though was it with you that we had bailey
3: on yeah that was yeah we we talked about douglas rods which yeah
2: yeah i had him we had him on the final cast but i've not been on i mean i'm not a well-known versed angler by any means so like but everybody knows
3: who trash panda is
2: Sort of like people who listen to paddle and fin, but I mean that's what I like about serious angler podcasts is that they are touching the boat world, the kayak world, you know, just all kinds of different things like just fishing in general. It's not yep. real specific. Like mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've gotten so specific that we have seven shows basically that <laughs> are breaking kayak fishing down within itself too. So. Um, you know, like I always enjoy talking with Bailey, Andrew, I haven't talked with you yet. Um, so I'm looking forward to this podcast, man. It's, it's yeah. going to be
4: a good one. So, well, like I said, I appreciate you uh, guys inviting me on here and I'm like the, the lost cast voice in the back side of the serious angler, right? <laughs> Bailey does just about everything. And I'm just kind of there for rabbit holes and yeah. uh, inquisitive questions
3: that sometimes we'll be like, Hmm. <laughs> so, well, I got to say, the uh, you guys did an episode, it was a part two, or two-part episode, uh, where you guys were talking about your favorite baits and stuff, or something like that. Texas rigs, maybe? Uh, I really like that one. Oh, it was then, the,
4: I think it was like the summer setup one, where we did yeah, a part one, some, part two.
3: Recently, yeah. I like That one was a good one, and then the one you guys did with Matt Robertson. That dude is hilarious.
4: Dude, I love that guy. <laughs> he, he is so funny.
3: I'm so, a like, big fan.
4: I'll randomly PM and he'll be like, hell yeah, brother. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, it could be like 2 a.m. and he'll respond to me and I'm all jived up. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go get some coffee and go fishing. Like, this guy's a spirit animal.
3: Oh, <laughs> I was like, the part in your guys' episode with him, you, he was talking about tattooing oh. sponsors on his body for a million dollars. I was, yeah. I was cracking up. So funny. Oh,
4: and, and hands down, he's going to be like the only person probably to do that because he just doesn't <laughs> care. Like, if you think about it, on stage at the vast mass classic, right. If you would have won the 300 grand and won the classic trophy, he would have walked out of Texas broke. Cause he would have bought the whole damn bar a shot. And then yeah. on top of it, probably went home and bought the whole trailer park. So like, it's just, it's <laughs> funny. He, he's a really good dude.
3: Yeah. He's awesome. I, I follow him on Instagram stuff. He posts yeah. pure I'm passion, like, raw motion. Incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, let's get into the Lake Erie stuff, because that's what we brought you on for. So, that, Sure. Me, me and Josh, we both love smallmouth <clears> fishing. <throat> uh, he's been to Lake Erie a few times, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I've been in the Toledo area, um, and then East-West Harbor, but that's not necessarily Lake Erie, in my opinion. I mean, it's connecting up, but... Yeah. That's and then of we went to... Oh, what is it? Um, like around Kelly's Island and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, sure. So which ended up being kind of a bust because we ended up getting a really bad storm that rolled in. And then when we found out the cost of trying to shuttle out to those islands and then it was like in the middle of COVID. So like we couldn't stay like, um, like we, we could get shuttled out, but we had to come back hmm. and cause you couldn't like, it, I, don't, I don't, the island was shut down, but you had to have a place to stay. Mm. Like you you know like we would add a rented rented something there and if i remember correct we had an issue trying to find something there so i mean it was like a hundred dollars just for mike's truck to ferry across wow Jeez. so because they go by the length of your trailer and your kayak and i mean mm. mike's got that i don't know if you've ever seen mike's kayak or kayak trailer brad but it's mm-hmm. it's huge man it's like it's almost pushing the limit on width of trailer that you can pull like as on your personal vehicle like it's Hmm. like it's right at the limit or right it's right at the limit or just under it and it's huge like i mean if if it's you know you can put four kayaks on it easy fish like big boats um you can put two hobies and two hobies on the bottom two on top two on the bottom it's it's a giant and so when we were like, $100, dude, we can't keep doing this. And yeah. we tried some other spots, too. And um it was a little rough out there weather-wise. And so it was a good time, though. It was fun. So,
4: well, and, and that's the worst part about Erie, right, is the weather. The weatherman will tell you that it's going to blow two to five miles an hour out of the east. It'll actually be blowing 10 to 15 out of the southwest for no rhyme or reason. Yep. so and anywhere you go on the Great lakes a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind is just not fun even if yeah. you're in a bass boat so or even a db you're blown around so
3: that's not fun on on a lake in general <laughs> no well, especially in a kayak
4: <laughs> no so um a little sidebar here real fast last not this weekend but the weekend before me and bailey won our first tournament together and that's um cool, it was supposed to be on Cayuga Lake, but we moved it due to like forty mile an hour gusts. So we went to this little bay off of Lake Ontario, and even it was fishable, but it was marginal at best at times. And a couple of the spots we caught them. So yeah, it's got to be smart on a kayak. I couldn't imagine fishing in that kind of wind.
3: Yeah, I don't know how they do it. I mean, we we've had Casey Reed on the show a long time ago when he won a KBF trail, and dudes out there and like. I don't know what he said, three foot rollers or something on a kayak. I'm like, yeah.
2: yeah, dude, it's rough. I mean, I've been, I've been out a couple times with some like severely high sustained winds mm-hmm. and try to paddle. Like oh, it was like goodness. 25 sustained. And we were on in a, like a little marsh area that was on average two feet deep. And it was the most obnoxious thing that i ever done in a kayak was trying to paddle around in that. And you know, when we were out on Erie, like for the most part, like wave action wise, we were all right. We just kept having these storms blow in, and they would blow like they kept dod. We dodged like all of them while we we're out on the water. But it got to a point where like, all right, this one is bigger. This one's coming in. Like, I don't think we can dodge this one. We all got back and literally the instant that we pulled the boats out, got in the trucks. It just unleashed fury on us. And oh, I mean, it's safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we we got back. We saw it coming. We're like, all right, let's just head back. But the best part was as that storm front was moving in, it was hitting us in the back, right on our way back to the ramp.
4: It pushed you, and
2: it pushed you like you were surfing the <laughs> waves. It was awesome. Dude. That's incredible. You would, you would pedal real fast, and then the wind would gust, and you just coast at like that's six awesome.
4: seven miles an hour. I love it. Like that—that <laughs> that is my style right there. Like that's what I'd be doing all day. So. Yeah. That's awesome, but yeah.
2: But yeah, my buddy, my buddy Mike, um, he grew up his his dad's had a um, like a, a camper type deal on Lake Erie for like as long as he can remember. He's been out. Uh, he's he grew up as a walleye guy, and so his dad has a place uh, just outside of Toledo, and you know he's he loves to try to go up there, but he's very cautious about it he's like he's like i'm telling you dude he's like even when you're in a regular boat um that place can get scary real fast so he's like when we're in these kayaks he's like if i think that it's you know it's gonna be a bad call to get out on the water i'm gonna let you know so Mm -hmm. you know i've I've, i won't i won't go out there unless i know the people i'm with have experience out there and they know what to look for there's no reason i mean you can get in so much trouble so quickly that's i mean some of the things i've always heard lake erie guys um you know like brad you know chuck rolls and stuff that, mm-hmm. that guy he fishes it every day he's the kind of guy you go mm-hmm. out with right um, and you know having like uh like a, i don't know what are they some kind of sat phones that those guys carry out there you know get the proper kind of i don't know de- devices to have out there because you know your cell phone could become obsolete real quick you yeah. know get you in yeah. trouble whole
4: world of pain oh yeah, yeah.
2: so yeah. It's, it's no joke you know i try to i mean like i said i've I paddled for a long time and got a pedal drive last year and ended up having to get rid of it. And the pedal drive definitely helped in lakes, but you know, it, it doesn't solve everything, man. Those, those waves get big enough. dude, sure. it gets scary real fast. So, That's and the funny. area is known as like one of those places where it's like, okay, you think that the wind is coming in a certain direction but like andrew mentioned all of a sudden it's going the other way and you're like okay so waves are coming at me and coming from the side like yep.
4: yeah why, why why am i moving from south to north but i'm blowing east to west <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. what is going on here oh it drives me insane. Drives, yeah. me insane drives me insane the one day this uh spring i was on a it was a guide trip And we had a strong northeast wind, like 10 to 20. So we can get out in 10 to 20 northeast winds. But the day before, it blew like 35 out of the southwest. So we had these like three to four foot residual rollers still coming up the lake with this Mm. north wind capping onto these rollers. It was the weirdest boat navigation thing I've had to deal with in a while. But you sit down and the wind was not quite strong enough with the current so you're still drifting into the wind because of these residual rollovers and Buffalo has a ton of current and people don't realize how much current we have because of the Niagara River but um mm-hmm. we're still drifting with the waves at like .8, 1.2 miles an hour with this wind blasting us like in our face so we're like this doesn't make sense. Like my first two drifts were just all wrong because I'm like I should be going that way but I'm going
2: Learn more at marines.com. Just
4: <laughs> <Like, laughs> do Big old washing machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, And we still caught the crap out of them, but it, was, it took a few minutes to figure out what the heck was going on. And then once I realized what was happening because of the waves from the day before, sure enough, the wind switches to the southwest and my drift starts going again at like four miles an hour and I had to get out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. So because we went from three, four foot residual rollers with the north wind kind of killing them out to actually three- to five-foot waves at, like, the snap of the finger capping, and that's just not cool. Yeah. So. You ever
3: yeah. ever have any close calls in a boat?
4: What do you mean by close calls? Like, just, getting stuck or just steering waves?
3: Anything, just waves coming over the sides or yeah, if we've, fear of flipping or falling off or something. No, I've never
4: had a fear of flipping or falling off, but um, there's been some, like, questionable ones. I had uh, a couple clients out, and I'm running in. In a different storm where the wind picked up i was like we have till 10 o'clock to catch them," and i'm like running it at 9 50 and my trim switch went out on my motor
0: mm. so
4: my motor just kind of went down and i plowed through a couple waves and the water temp was like 54 Ooh. 50 to 54 and i think it was like 50 degrees out something you can't really control i'm just like why can't i trim up and get my nose up a little bit because i was plowing too much and next thing I know, a wave just comes right over top. It didn't even get wet. It just came right over top of us. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm slowing down to figure out what's going on here. And then I realized my motor wouldn't go up. So it's like, oh, dang, this is great. Jeez. So idled in at like three miles an hour, three miles from the break walls in three to four-foot waves. That was fun. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the worst experiences I've had. I've been out there in thunderstorms where – um, you're just on the water and it's sunny over you, but it's just black wall all around. And you go to cast your line crazy. goes fifty feet up in the air and you can feel your rod vibrating. Been there a few times. That's um, crazy when
2: you can hear it too. Yeah, it's you like zzz- 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 zzz-
4: zzz- <laughs> oh go. my goodness. <laughs> oh, it was fun. And we we're catching them too, so it was really hard to leave, you know. So here's the funny thing for you. your fl- line is floating in the line in the air. Right. And there's like no wind. So you're like, oh, man, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden your line jumps. So and you're like, was that a fish? And all of a sudden you pull and it's like a four and a half pound smallmouth. and you're fighting it. And their braid is trying to float in the air. We're like, we're out of here. Like, <laughs> <it's> so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like time the fish would jump and you get slack. You'd see your line rise.
3: Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't even know how you'd keep them pinned in that case.
4: It's just wild, like there's enough tension, but like just when they would jump, like when you want to stick the rod in the water, when they would jump and you would get that like half second of slack, you could watch your line rise like a foot above the water and then go back down. Jeez, just <laughs> spooky stuff! Like, not don't recommend it for anyone, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are probably my two like closest, scariest calls. I've had a couple buddies where. They've been out there like the boat has died, like they lost all power and sunk their boats up on beaches and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's a oh, wave court forecast is one to three foot, no chance of thunderstorms. And you're out there and the thunderstorm pops up and then you have mm-hmm. 10 footers 20 miles from shore. So if there's any type of precipitation in the summer, I tend to err on the side of caution because you're right. probably going to get a thunderstorm. We have like our own biodome in Buffalo for weather. So
2: yeah. I mean, if that's any, how Lake Erie is. That whole region, you think about it, it's like an ocean, an inland yeah. ocean, basically. It I really mean, it, those snowstorms completely change when they they move across the uh, the all the Great Lakes. Everything is insane
4: when it goes through there
2: weather-wise. Mm-hmm. So
4: it's kind of funny though. Like if a thunderstorm forms on Lake Erie, at my end of the lake, it almost never makes it on the land. It dies. As soon as it gets to Buffalo, you'll have 50, 60 mile an hour wind, south, like severe thunderstorm mornings. It'll hit the shoreline and just die. But if it forms in Buffalo, it will come off the lake and just be one of the worst thunderstorms you have all summer. Yeah. So it, it's just kind of weird. Like it, there's some weird convection thing in Buffalo. We have our own weather, I swear.
0: Because
4: <laughs> you can go down the road to Dunkirk, like 45 minutes down the road, and if a thunderstorm forms over the lake, and comes up the lake dunkirk is just walloped but as soon as it comes up towards buffalo it dies every time
3: oh huh, that's weird so it's yeah, the same way with
4: snowstorms.
3: yeah you guys got some crazy weather up there mm-hmm. e- even crazier in cleveland i'd say for sure
4: so and I, and I think it's the way the lake actually um faces with the jet stream or whatever and then yeah. the surface currents it just dies for whatever mm-hmm. reason when it hits buffalo just it's like the all-time weather crusher.
3: <laughs>
4: <So>.
3: <laughs> I want to go visit Buffalo, man.
4: Yeah, I come on up.
3: I'm, I'm real big on, like, towns with big sports traditions.
4: Yeah, so. you got to come up for some smallmouth fishing and a Bills game. Like, that's what's Heck up. Heck, yeah,
3: that'd be sweet, as long as uh, these guys are playing them. <laughs> I, think,
4: I think we play them week one, but I think it's at home. I don't remember. I know they play them this year. Let's look. Yeah.
3: I, I think you're. I think you're right. It's week one. I remember uh, talking to my brother about that.
4: Yeah, it's in Buffalo, September twelfth.
3: Ooh, so, there you go. Tempting. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So let's rewind a little bit. How did you get into guide fishing, and how long you've been doing it for? So
4: this is my first year guiding. Um, I just got my captain's license right before Thanksgiving two years ago. and Then COVID kind of messed everything up. So I got my application in for my US, United States Coast Guard Marine Merchant license, basically with like five days to spare. Um, mm. And then I also got my New York State Guide license. So I can guide anywhere in New York, not limited to Lake Erie and the Great Lakes and any... Um, like canal system that connects the great lakes to the ocean. So like the Erie canal, there's some lakes that you need the coast guard license on inland to guide in New York, such as like Cayuga, Seneca, Onondaga, Cross Lake, and Oneida. And I think there's a couple others too, that are on that canal chain that you need a captain's license. And a lot of people don't realize that, but I'm also a big salmon and steelhead fisherman for like hiking Mm -hmm. in. So I got my New York state guide license, so I can do a lot of that as well. So the goal is fifty fifty, so fifty bass trips and fifty salmon steelhead trips a year. I'm golden. So that's that, cool. That's where I want to be. Again.
3: I didn't realize you did all the other salmon stuff. Yep, so, I was. I would see smallmouth pictures.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I I don't really showcase all that too much. I didn't do it too much mm-hmm. last year, but uh, I actually grew up. When I'd say when I was 17 years old, I learned how to stream fish for steelhead. And mm-hmm. it really taught me a ton about smallmouth. So smallies and river systems set up almost identical. And Buffalo, is, if you really think about it, if you were to come up here and see the current we have, it's just a big river system in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So and I was able to figure that out relatively quickly when I got my first boat on how they set up about 10 years ago and i've just been knocking their doors off ever since in my opinion so
3: i've always heard that as well like a trout and salmon they all set up pretty similar to smallmouth bass yep that kind of brings me to something you guys have rivers there that probably fish pretty well then too right oh yeah for for smallmouth
4: yes so the upper niagara and the lower niagara um don't get the credit they deserve, like the St. Lawrence, because it's so big. Mm-hmm. I mean, on any day on the Upper Niagara in the summertime, if you get like an overcast, kind of rainy day so the pleasure boats don't come out, you can catch 80 to 150 fish, and they're all over two and a half pounds. Wow. So, and, but you're fishing in three to five mile an hour current, too, which is a fun ride. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, um, I don't think our river's that quick. Is it, Josh? Right. Maybe in yeah. some spots. Now you got to remember the
2: elevation changes happening, and you know, it's our our rivers around here are relatively
4: flat, so yeah. Yeah, when you I know, think of Ohio, I think of like the Grand River. Um, I think Conneaut, which is the Grand River, is a pretty big river that it's a Lake, Ant- Lake Erie tributary that
3: okay, yeah,
4: flows into Lake Erie. That's the big one. Um, Conneaut, which kind of flows into PA, which is all eastern. Ohio. i don't know too much about your side of ohio besides maybe the ohio river right
3: so. yeah we're, i'm about an hour away from the ohio and i've never even fished it but I, i've heard it's pretty quick hmm. it's interesting yeah uh, that'd be cool uh i don't know I'm, yeah that'd be cool to get out there and try it though i just don't know where to start
4: <laughs> yeah well you guys can always hop on my boat so
3: you <laughs> ever been down this way
4: no no i was talking about up here Seth oh, okay. Star. I was about to no. say. No, I've come. never been in the Ohio, so I, I don't have plans to fish it unless I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: so. it's all good. Um, uh, you, you, So you mentioned you have a license for guiding. What what all does that entail? What all did you have to do to get that? So
4: for my marine merchant license, it was the hardest test I've ever taken in my life. There's four tests. Um, there mm-hmm. was chart and plotting. There was general navigation I can't remember them all. Actually, I think I have it here. All my test scores. Hold on. So I have a memory of what everything was. So I think I have it in here. My wallet is an absolute mess with all my receipts I have to put in.
3: <laughs> it, did, did you have to like, take classes and stuff also for this?
4: Yeah. So it was um eight weeks, two nights okay. a week, four hours a day. And I studied probably 120 hours. Wow. so there was chart navigation general rules deck gen which is like all of your safety equipment and stuff and mm-hmm. then uh deck navigation so it's like buoys and stuff like that mm-hmm. just um so on two of the tests on one of the tests you had to score 90 and above no two were 90 above one was and the other two were 70 above um the ones you had to score 90 and above were 10 questions but they took two and a half hours to get done the Jeez. test yeah and then the other ones were either 50 or 100 questions and you could only get 30 percent of it wrong and i i mean i think i did okay
0: nice. <laughs> <But> yeah so <laughs> yep. but
4: for like it was the most insane eight weeks of my life I'll so. bet. i bet
3: i've never actually talked to somebody that's actually done this so it's kind of interesting
4: so I, I have to go back and find all my books because I'm pretty sure one of them is supposed to be in my boat. Um, mm-hmm. But I have course books of about this tall. Oh and you had to you know, like, every foghorn and anchor light for, like, a tugboat on the Mississippi River.
3: Mm-hmm. Really? It's like,
4: when would I ever see a tugboat on the Mississippi River and be driving it? But I need to be prepared for that situation. So... Uh-
3: that, that that's just in case you come down to the ohio river
4: right yeah so i guess that would be the closest place that you i would yeah. deal with it or um and
2: then they pull you over and they're like we need a driver this guy had a heart attack andrew can yeah. you help us
4: yeah i don't think i'm actually qualified to drive a tugboat per se or like one of those barges i think that's like a 100 ton and you need like Three thousand hours on the river, and like a thousand of them are like junior deck command while driving a tugboat. It's just insanity. Yeah. I have no um, dreams or ambitions to get to that point. I'm right where I want to be. I got my master's license. I could do U.S. boat tow assist if I want. I could essentially buy like Buffalo has these paddle boat tours that they take people out and they get just blasted on, and you kind of just. Drive them around on a little motor in a pontoon boat while they spin their feet like they're paddling a boat. (laughs) I could do that with my master license, but I just want to fish and take people fishing and make memories and watch people have a good time. So, and when we get on, I ask guys, I'm like, I could fish with you or I don't have to. It doesn't matter. I'm like, if I fish with you, we're going to figure it out quicker, and I'll just change once we're mashing on, and you guys get the hot stuff, and I'm just gonna mess around and see if I can get them to eat anything else. And I mean, we've caught, I have it written. I don't have it here. So these are unofficial numbers, but I want to say my clients this year have put over 1700 bass in the boat on like 18 trips, Wow, 18 trips, 18 trips. Wow. Cause I work full time. <laughs> so I just got, guide, I guided part time. I took three right. weeks off of work and guided and um, like three, four days, each of those weeks and a couple of random weekend trips here and there. But, yeah. We, um, we have six over six, eighty-five over five, and then like a thousand over four—just
3: insane. That's awesome. Yeah, that brings me to a good question: Are you ever? Is there any ever any extra added pressure for guiding somebody like to catch a fish? Yes and
4: no. So to start, I'll be like dead truthfully honest here. I have cherry-picked my ways. Through the start because I wanted to have an easy transition in the guiding. So I've taken a lot of people that are actually like kayak anglers that fish tournaments, or um, guys that have boating experience that have just never been to Erie and they want to see what catching smallmouth is like. So I tend to cater to those type of anglers and guys that I know that aren't going to burn my spots. So I mean, mm-hmm. I have taken a couple of these guys to like the juice juice. You know what I mean? Like you right. protect that from some people. So I have taken them on some of the like the really, really good stuff. And then if I'm worried about it, I might take them to some like B or C quality stuff, but we're gonna catch them. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I have over a thousand waypoints in Buffalo of good stuff. So That's I'm never awesome. really I'm never really worried about them not catching a fish. It's just how big a fish are we gonna catch? Right. Because now we're getting into that weird part of summer where we can go out there and only catch 10 pounds for five fish, or we can catch 23 pounds for seven bites mm-hmm. so it this is my least favorite time is july because we're coming right out of this sp- we're the spawn is just ending in buffalo mm-hmm. so we're going through a weird transition phase right now we have a ton of fish that are post-spawn in the summer pattern and we don't have too many that are in that post-spawn so all of our summer fish are dispersing and going out into their single one to three fish groups all over the place then we have some post spawn fish that are super finicky because the water is so warm for so early in the year that it's just it's all over the place. The one day you can go out and catch seventy, the next day you're gonna catch five. Right. So that's Which, what we're dealing with right now.
3: That blows my mind because our spawn down here was beginning of May, right? Something like mm-hmm. that, Josh. Um, I want to say
2: mid May, somewhere yeah. like that. It was a little earlier this year just because we had a really big uh warm front warm front that came in in may Mm -hmm. so they pushed we had that too and the water temperature jumped up like 10 degrees in just a few days and then it dropped though right away it was really weird because then we got like the 30 degree weather back oh like like we hit i think 80 and then literally within two weeks we were back down into the 50s and then 30s at night again. It was stupid, man. I, is, Ohio man. is so bad for it. So It yeah. was the
4: same thing here. It was like the second week of May. We went from like 50 degree days to 85 degree days. And we went from 45, 48 degree water temp. And we're just blasting like 120 fish a day to mm-hmm. 85 degrees. Water temp jumped in the mid 60s to 70 degree surface temps. And the smallies went from the main lake to the spawning ground in three days. We're on beds digging up gravel, and then three days later, they were gone. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our first wave, and they were all giant fish. So we went in there and beat up on spawners for a few days because they were just gone on the main lake. Mm-hmm. And now they've been slowly trickling. Like We get like four waves of spawners every spring. It starts the second week of May and goes all the way till about the first week of July. Mm-hmm. So last Wednesday night, I fished a derby with my good buddy Jeff, who's my Wednesday night Saturday tournament partner for – uh, we have a Sun Life Marina Trail, and uh, we were catching fish on bed. I 100% doubt, in my, no doubt in my mind that we were catching spawners.
3: Yeah. Are you flogging for them too?
4: Um, I would if I had a flogger. I know how to use it. <laughs> okay. Um, but because we had so much weather and the water was kind of off, you couldn't see them. We're fishing right. eight foot of water. We had one foot of this. Yeah. so.
3: I, I, I was watching MLF last weekend on St. Lawrence, watching those guys just flog with drop shots. It's like, this yeah. is cool. <laughs> I,
4: if um, somebody should have ran a game to take a shot every time a wave hit the flogger off somebody's face, there would have been a lot of sick people in the world because a lot of those guys got punished. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny to watch them holding a the flogger like right over their eyes. You see them like back up because their eyes are watering because they take yeah. it so hard off the ringer. <laughs> so, yeah i was like oh gosh <laughs> like, you poor guys i do not want to be in that situation
3: i so, saw jordan lee posted a picture on his instagram of he actually got a real good picture through the flogger yeah of fish, a fish on the bed i was like man that's a good picture
4: yeah well that's what it does right so it's just this big magnifying glass really that takes all the glare out so when you cover it yeah. in black no light gets through so Funny story, if you watch day one, if you go back and watch day one of MLF, yeah, they all had orange floggers. Everyone in the field had an orange flogger.
2: And then it the next
4: day, one. everybody had them duct tape black. So whatever <laughs> local hard, uh, hardware store there that had black, um, black duct tape made a killer profit that week because 100 anglers went out and bought black duct tape and taped their floggers. That's so, yeah. So it's just because it cuts down and glare so much.
3: yeah, that's funny.
4: <laughs>
2: so. so let's talk about smallmouth fishing up there. What is it like fishing out of Buffalo and Lake Erie? What kind of structure are you looking for? What's the patterns you see that the smallmouth like once once everything kind of settles down you're outside of your spawning time because I mean obviously when you get fisher in a spawning pattern, everything's kind of grouping up a lot of times in areas that are known as a spawning area. But what's the smallmouth behavior outside of that? You know, do you guys get the wolf pack type thing where like, I noticed you said, you know, they're traveling, there's like three fish groups and they're moving all the time. Tell us what you see out there and what, what would you, what are you looking for when you fish Lake Erie outside of Buffalo?
4: In the summertime, I am looking for groups of one to five fish. Those are going to be my bigger fish. If I come into a wolf pack of fish, they're all two pounds, two to three pounders. That's not what I wanted to term. It's great. It's a great limit filler um, to start the day out to get five in the boat for 15 pounds. But um, the biggest thing we have to worry about up here is fish care because they're catching them in 30 to 45 foot of water. So as soon as they come up, we got to pop them with a fizz needle. If you wait too long or if you fizz them improperly, those two to three pounders, they have a smaller air bladder on them. So it's a very... Small, refined area where you have to poke them through the side to release the air, so they sit upright in the live well. Um, I usually just throw those fish back because they're mm-hmm. just a liability. You're going to come in with five fish, three alive, and the two that died are going to be two pound smallies, and it, and it hurts the fishery in the future. But um, mm-hmm. I I changed my mentality about three years ago fishing Lake Erie. I used to go out there and try to get as many bites as I possibly can. I refined it now. I only want six bites all day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm searching for four to four and a half pound fish. Every time I make a drop, I have to know that it's a four pound fish. And you can tell by looking at your graph what kind of caliber fish you are looking at just on 2D. So if you just get blue, right, blue, a little bit of red, well, that's probably a three pounder. If you get a blue with a red and then also a little yellow in there you're probably going to have a four-pound fish. If you get some blue, red, and a lot of yellow, that's a giant. So, hmm. And basically the biggest way to tell the difference between that and a sheephead is the sheephead is going to be very elongated and flat mm-hmm. on your graph. The bass is going to look like a big old piece of lasagna that just came fresh out of the oven. So <laughs> like, it mimics the bottom structure going through those waves and how mm-hmm. they move. And that's what you're looking yep. for, just piles of lasagna.
3: You can apply that to any body of water too, right? Um yes and no. I haven't quite figured them out
4: on the finger lakes per se, like you can Mm -hmm. on Lake Erie. Lake Ontario for me is similar, but on my end, um I I'm fishing it completely different than I am Erie. So and it's Mm -hmm. two great lakes, but I fish them completely different. I don't go out to forty foot of water on Lake Ontario, I focus ten to twenty. And Mm -hmm. when they're in 10 to 20 foot, you don't get them like lasagna. They look completely different. A lot of times when you come over them, you'll have a little bit of that lasagna. Then they'll fade off when you're in the shallower water. And depending on the way they fade off on your graph is also the the way the fish is positioned. Mm
1: -hmm. So if you
4: have your graph, let's say it's reading right to left usually, right? I think is the way it would read. Yeah, right to left. Mm -hmm. If it's fading off to the left, that fish is probably going left. If it fades off to the right, that you know that fish is moving to the right, so you know where to drop your rod based on transdu- transducer position. If you're spot locked right over top of them,
3: interesting. Yeah, you, you'd be a good candidate for the bass fish for noob segment. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean,
4: that's that's like general electronics. It gets a yeah. little more complicated than that. You can double down. I run Lawrence Lives. It's pallet twelve, I believe, is a pallet I run. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Douglas, a little uh, plug here for Josh Douglas. I've watched a lot of his electronic seminars that he's posted on his YouTube page. And uh, this palette is when I do electronic training for some clients. This is the palette I all automatically set them to because it's a hard brown bottom. And whenever you find something hard, like it's hard brown bottom, which means it's just the bottom, right? As soon as you find something hard, it will change colors. Mm-hmm. so you can kind of tell it's a rock or a gravel transition to rock and all of a sudden you'll see by that rock the, we'll say the rock is green, it's super hard, and all of a sudden right next to that rock you'll see a little bit of blue, red, and yellow but like, there's a smallmouth if you're on palette one the standard Loran settings, everything is red and yellow, and that rock will be just a little bit more red and yellow and right next right. to it will be a red and yellow and blue sm- thing, and you're like, oh is that a rock is that a fish, mm-hmm. it, it's a little more detailed, but the really dub it down and make it easy i always run palette 12 because i can explain it to clients what i'm looking at as well
2: it's not just brightening up whatever base color is you know based off hardness it's actually
4: separating the colors out exactly you're getting a whole
2: different color based on how hard that object is yeah that's pretty cool man
4: yeah so and Thank you to Josh Douglas for that little tip, because I always ran it on just standard palette one. I could always tell what it was by adjusting sensitivity. But this really made my life a lot easier. So, mm. and side scan too, like um, a couple weeks ago, outside scanning one of the flats that I fish, I found a bed in 38 foot of water wow. on my side scan. Hold on. Let me find the picture.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm it, interested to see this. It's That's kind crazy. of
4: crazy. And you can see the fish on the bed too, which is even crazier. And I drifted right over it like 10 minutes later and see, caught one off of it. So
3: I know smallmouth can spawn in deeper water. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's cool. It's it? oh, awesome. a bed.
4: <laughs> yeah. But right there, see a little bright spot? It's kind of hard to focus. Just yeah. a little bright spot, the little shadow just above it. That was a four and a half pounder. <laughs> nice.
3: Did, Did you get them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We caught them. That's awesome. <laughs> So, See, I, or, I knew they could spawn in deeper water, but I didn't think it'd be that deep. That's interesting. Is. Oh, yeah, that's a good one.
4: <laughs> so, yeah, like, what time did I take that? 6.53. That fish was caught at 7.24. A.M.?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so 20 <laughs> minutes all. later, yeah. That's I drifted
4: awesome. over it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get bit. Like, going right over the waypoint, and then literally, a <laughs> dunk. I was like, yep, there he is.
3: Nice. <laughs> So when you do see something like that, you immediately hit, like, the waypoint button and then, like, turn around and cast? No, because I was on a
4: guide trip. That whole area, and without giving any, like, hints or juice here, I have probably 700 gravel spots in that area that it's just loaded. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of set up based on the drift. Every time I move to, the biggest thing that people will do out there is they'll automatically, at the end of the drift, they'll fire up their motor and they'll run. Like a bed out of hell to the side of the drift. I drive it three miles an hour the mm-hmm. whole way because I'm looking for more fish to see if they're 200 foot, see if they've moved, and a lot of times I'll throw a different waypoint on a new pile of fish. And I'm like, oh, I don't have a line through there. Let's drift that one this time. So <laughs> I'm always looking, actively looking for more fish when I start. We go to restart my drift because yeah, we caught seven on this one, but as I'm driving back up. I'm like, oh, there's no more fish on it. They may have slid over here. And you'll see a lot of guys get in this routine of doing the same drift over mm-hmm. and over and over. And then after, like, the fourth time, they're like, oh, we're not getting bit anymore. And then I'll just progressively move my way with the fish and just stay on them all day. That's so, cool. Yeah, it's it's the little things. Yeah.
3: Yeah, doing something different than what everybody else is doing definitely makes yep. a big
4: difference. So, cause I, when I'm out there with clients, I want to catch as many fish as we can. Mm-hmm. So if it's a grind, I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry that it's so grimy. I'm like, like, what do you mean it's a grind? We've caught 20 fish we're just catching five. I'm like, oh man, you have no idea.
3: you okay. <laughs> are like, 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 yeah, I expected to catch four or five pounders. We're only catching yeah. twos.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so it's like oh man i'm sorry guys like like why are you sorry we caught 35 today. i'm like this is just a bad day
2: (laughs) so what's your top five baits uh for your guide trips that you have success on um all right so if you want to talk about it yeah
4: i'll talk about z man trd works really well Uh, western Mm -hmm. fishing operations which is a little worm company i work with in washington they make, oh, I can't remember the name of it. They make their own little Ned bait that's really good. Um, I One of the biggest things, I'm going to give you some juice here, goby oil. If you can find it, soak your baits in goby oil for Lake Erie Smallmouth. So you can kind of like, get a, don't get it on your fingers because it's terrible, but you can like put a bait in it, rub it around and drop it in the bag, leave it in the sun for a little bit. It'll soak it all up and it reeks, but they love it. Um, Fat Senko Yamamoto Fat Sanko is really good. Berkeley flatworm, flatnose minnow. Those would probably be my top five any time of the year.
3: Bait's for sure.
4: Berkeley gulp. It would be a close, close six. Mm -hmm. Any Berkeley gulp minnow fry. um, I think there's like a slim shaky worm too that we've caught them on pretty good. That
3: sounds like my kind of fishing, man.
4: Yeah, deep drop shotting. It's fun, and then. If I had to go outside the realm, three inch spark shed is really good 2.8 katech and a blade bait fish sense lures Bing is one of my favorite ways to catch them. Four of my six uh, six pounders have
3: come on a blade this year. yeah you're talking Josh's language when you uh, mention the Kaitech.
4: yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's good. It's real good. You put <laughs> yeah. it on a half ounce or a three eighth ounce uh, football head short shank owner hook, like a two out, and it's just juice, you just drag it ever so slow. Yeah. Which
3: that reminds me, I saw Z Man posted today on Instagram. I, you probably you might have seen it. Did you see the football jig head? Yeah. yeah
4: I did. I, did. I think Gussie cool, was man. coming out with it.
3: That is cool. I want those. <laughs>
4: yeah i i just don't my only issue with the z-man stuff is they don't use a good hook they bend they flex Yep. i swear
2: i swear i've lost i hated Nedrig fishing i still kind of do because that's (laughs) that was the the terminal tackle i bought first was their stuff you know i was like all right here's the hooks and their stuff's relatively decently priced you know what i mean like overall Mm -hmm. when you think about z-man's plastics you're like Hey, this isn't any different. I'm getting the same number of baits, but you get a lot more time out out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Z Man
4: plastics are great. And then uh, I'm like, yeah,
2: (laughs) I I kept losing fish all the time. And I'm like, why is this happening? And I mean, I'm not even talking about big fish either, like, Mm -hmm. you know, little 13, 14 inch fish. And I'd pull out and I'm like, how is this hook bent like this already? You know, I haven't caught anything big. and You know, I I mean, I think a lot of times it's getting it snagged up too, you know, because those things, if you, if you're not fishing the exact right weight, it's easy to obviously hook, you know, snag up on Ned rigs, um, with an exposed hook. So, but I mean,
4: when you, when you fish Josh, I apologize Two things for Ned rig fishing. One people fish too heavy of line. Mm. Number two, people fish too stout of a rod.
3: Okay. Mm -hmm. What, so what? Do you, what line do you accept? Uh, what line and rod do you suggest
4: So for me, um, a really good Ned rig rod by Douglas is the DXS seven two four XF. That is a great mm-hmm. Ned rig rod. Ten pound braid, uh, any whatever your favorite braid is. And I always run six or seven pound. Um, we're supposed to use tactical, but I have found Gamma Touch to be really good or Gamma Edge, just real mm-hmm. strong. Um, but I like a softer rod too. So if you, for people, I, before Douglas came around, before I was with Douglas, one of my favorite rods I ever owned and low key, don't shoot me here. I still own it. I'll never get rid of it. No matter what anybody says is the old gray blank Shimano Kumara, seven foot two medium extra fast. That is the best Ned rig rod you will ever buy in your life. If you can find them, because they stopped making it about 10 years ago. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh interesting well it, i use i use the douglas 610 3xf uh, go
4: longer Trust go me. longer go okay. longer yeah so my ideal ned rig rod is seven foot two to seven foot six i want oh. a longer rod even when i'm fishing largemouth with it because one it's leverage two you can use a lighter line with a longer rod and three you get more snap okay yeah, a six ten. You. If you're you're gonna bend more hooks with a six ten, and
3: Excellent. you're also gonna
4: rip it out of their face more because a lot of people with a Ned rig want to hammer hook them, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> want to just hammer on them. So that's where you're starting to bend your hook with that seven foot two with seven foot six. If you have like a medium to medium light powered rod, you literally just have you just real lean like a drop yeah. shot hook gotcha. set. So. All of my net heads, I get custom poured. I have owner 5313 hooks in them. They are a pain in the butt to pour, so if anybody ever finds them and wants something to pour them, good luck because it sucks. <laughs> my buddy hates me every time I bring them to him. But yeah. um, I don't lose fish on them. They don't bend. They're a little bigger, stouter hook. But I'm able to really hit them hard with that spinning rod, but I have enough give to where I'm not flexing the hook because yeah. I can flex it with my own hands. But I don't lose fish with that hook, period.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I have to remember that. I don't know how much of a difference it'd make. Because I'm a river guy, so I don't know, you know, I don't know. I'd have to play around with it, though, for sure.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm a tackle tinker, so I Mm – me and Bailey have had – hundreds of conversations where I've yelled at him like, you're doing this wrong. And, I, and now he's starting to come into like fruition with it and laughing at me. He's like, you're right.
3: You're right. He, he's done that to me. Like I, I, I do weird stuff. So I, I throw like the finesse buzz bait on the 610 three XF just for yeah. fun. And yeah, he's like, what, what are you doing that for? I'm like, Oh, it's fun. Yeah. So,
4: I mean, like, I use a lighter frog rod than a lot of people. I flip grass with a lighter rod than a lot of people. So, yeah. like, I I personally like lighter rods because, you, one, you can set the hook harder with them. Two, you get just as good of hook penetration because hooks are sharper than ever. Um, and three, if you do get into a sticky situation, like they're all wrapped in a brush pile with a softer rod, if you just keep leaning on them, they're going to find their way out with a stiffer rod. You're putting too much pressure in or you're going to break your line. Yeah. So I I like, a, like, my go to rod is like a seven foot four medium heavy, like a seven four four. I could do everything with a seven four four through Douglas. I can Thanks. flip jigs. I can flip Texas rigs. I can frog fish with it. I can throw a buzz bait, a spinner bait, a chatter bait. Doesn't matter. Like a 7'4'4", that casting rod is the best all-around rod they have. The only thing I wish it was was seven foot two over seven foot four. Hmm. So I have a
3: couple of those. I, I really like those rods for sure. Yeah, so. Is that – uh, so are you using exclu- exclusively Douglas for your clients on the boat? Yes. Okay, sweet. It changed a lot of people's minds, I, I'm guessing. Oh,
4: yeah, these guys are like, oh, my gosh, these rods are super lame <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're great. So yeah. they're light. They're, there's no fatigue. So,
3: So, I I picked up one of uh, Brian's uh, Douglas rods sometime last year when I went to Illinois, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need these. Yeah, the X
4: Matrix is super light. Even the LRS are light, but Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I still have some rods from my old stash that I will never, ever get rid of. Right. No matter if Douglas told me I had to get rid of them, honestly, I'd probably see I'm keeping these rods (laughs) because they're just incredible. I won't talk about them on the air, but they're. Like I've been fishing with them for four or five, six years. I, right, I'm just familiar with them, and that's key. That's the cool, one, man. the one big switch I've done though this year is I switched all my casting reels from Daiwa to Shimano.
3: Okay, yeah, I'm I'm all Shimano too. All
4: MGLs. I have all Corado and SLX MGLs. That is yeah. one bad little reel. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, I agree. I, I I'm throwing the DCs right now, but I tried my buddy's MGO. I think it was. Did they make a uh oh crap, what is that one called? chronic the uh, Bantam. Uh I tried the Banum, the Japanese version though. The Scorpion? No. <laughs> Metanium? Metanium. Yeah. Yeah,
4: Metanium's they they have JDM version and a US version.
3: Okay, so. yeah. I so I, I use or I've tried the JDM version of the Antares and the um I just forgot the name <laughs> that well that one and the Bantam okay yeah. yeah those are the most amazing reels I have ever used mm-hmm. you can cast so far with them it's it's ridiculous
4: so with the crowd 70 MGL with uh, a 3 8 ounce football jig like if I want to fish a football jig mm-hmm. and 15 pound test I can spool it on a cast And <sighs> never touch my thumb on it
3: yeah that's nuts
4: so, and now on um, that has become my Texas rig, like light Texas rig flipping setup, like quarter ounce and under. And I can skip that dang thing underneath the dock so dang far that I never thought was possible. Like any other reel, I had to use three-eighths to a half to get the inertia I get on that reel with a quarter ounce or lighter. Right. So it's just insane. I would If I could go back and do everything again, I would buy all Corrado MGLs. Yeah, I like For the Corrado's. 230 bucks. I buy them all my reels from SFT or Omnia because to New York state, it's free shipping and free tax. So like, why wouldn't I do that?
3: Yeah, I can't beat it. That's awesome. Josh, you got anything else?
2: No, I think I'm good, man. I appreciate you coming on. Are we wrapping it up?
3: Yeah. I'm, Unless, Unless Andrew wanted yeah. to hit something else or anything, no, guys. Whatever you want to ask, I can
4: go all night. So it doesn't yeah. <laughs> matter to me. So I'm sure all, we I'll, could I'll,
3: talk Shimano for like 24 minutes. We could, but.
4: but we could talk smallmouth. We can talk, dude. you know, if you have time this September, you guys need to come up in September, end of September.
3: That that's one thing. Uh, what's your what's your prices?
4: Um, so. If it's two clients, it's four fifty full day. One client, it's four hundred. Full days eight hours? Um six to ten. Whatever we feel okay. like fishing. Like okay. I'm pretty lenient Never. on it. If you want to get off at six, I don't lose money. If you want to get off at ten, I still don't lose money. So yeah. I don't care. Um, I put a premium on the bass strips because that's truly like my one love. For steelhead salmon stuff, um, one person's gonna be 300 two people's gonna be four hundred, and then six I mean, three people will be six hundred. So, but that's all stream bank walking, so two hundred ahead. Okay. So yeah, but does Bailey have a boat? Bailey has a Hobie kayak. He doesn't have a boat though, he does not have a boat. He's yeah, gonna be in gonna, a boat
3: someday. I was
2: gonna say, you know what we should do is plan a trip up there, Brad, and we can have the paddle and fin and serious angler shootout. But what we could do is we'll split up the team. Like you go with Bailey, I'll go with Andrew, oh. or vice versa, and then we'll shoot the whole thing on video. That would be a lot of fun. It'd that be would fun, be cool.
4: and we'll and we'll use kayak rules so we don't weigh them. We'll yeah. just do measuring board. But then I can zip around all over the lake, or you could like really <laughs> handicap me and throw me trolling motor only. The only <laughs> thing that sucks is you can launch wherever you want, right? So I have to use a boat launch. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: That would be cool. No, they'd be like, you know what, dude, here, here, we brought an extra paddle. You have to paddle your boat around. (laughs) I have a paddle on the boat.
3: (laughs) What kind of, what kind of boat is it?
4: What do I have? I have a TRX 189 Triton with a 150 Evinrude E-TAC. So the plan is to upgrade here in the somewhat future. Not sure what the timetable is. I need to get some guide trips in. So, um, yeah.
3: need to make that money.
4: Yeah, we need to make a lot of money. You know? what, are you,
3: what are you upgrading to?
4: <sighs> That's one.
3: One that Phoenix.
4: I, I do want a Phoenix, but um, <laughs> I'm torn, right? So like Bass Cat has the Lynx, which has a very wide deck, the 96-inch beam. Falcon makes a really nice boat. Um, Blazer, I I would love to get into a 650 Blazer Pro Elite. It's just whatever the right deal is at the right time. So that's what it comes down to. And I might be a year out. I might be two years out. I have five years of motor warranty left on my boat. So it doesn't really matter to me. It's just, is it more comfortable for clients? But I'm also going after guys in bass fishing that actually bass fish a ton. Because not only does it make my life easier, but it makes your life easier too. Because you're going to catch a lot more fish. Because when I tell you what's going on, you're going to understand and comprehend it. I hate aimless dragging just net rigs i think it's the most boring thing i don't think anybody should ever pay for it but sometimes that's what the bite is like in the Mm -hmm. springtime it's dragging baits and you catch nine fish adrift where i like like this midsummer stuff if somebody came up here and was like i would just want to go around and graph with you and catch our five biggest fish that we can sign me up because that's the way i fish
3: even in tournaments go ahead Uh, that is what i would want to come up there for five big bites
4: yeah So, I mean, I can never promise five big bites, but we would give it hell. Right, yeah,
3: that'd be fun. I mean, I can catch, you know, two pounders here all day down here.
4: Well, that's the thing. Like, no matter where we go, we're going to catch endless amounts of three pounders usually. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm I'm like,
3: I'm fine with that. (laughs)
4: So, but I'm like, this is why I'm saying you guys need to, if you're going to come up, you need to come up near the end of September. Because if we get blown off of Lake Erie, I can go to Lake Ontario and we can catch them power fishing, crankbaits, jerkbaits, A-rigs, baits. baits. The Upper Niagara is the same thing. If we get blown off Lake Erie, we go into the Upper Niagara, and we could sight fish our way to 24 pounds. Heck, yeah. You can't do it. I wouldn't do it if the lake is open because you don't catch. It's not guaranteed we're going to have a better shot at a giant in the lake. Mm. But, I mean, like, if you just want to come up and just blast fish, man, we'll go river fishing and just crush them. So, and they're all three to five pounds and most of them you can see. So.
3: Sounds fun. Yeah, can, man. And, and that's
4: the other thing I should throw in there too. I give multi-day discounts. So if you book two, three days with me, you do get a discount, but it, it depends on season, depends on weather, et cetera. So yeah. I, I'm very workable. I just want to go out and have a great time. And also once this becomes my full-time gig, I have to make money. Mm-hmm. So that's the other deal.
3: All right? That's cool, man. I I hope you all have success with that. That's awesome.
4: I I appreciate it. And you guys got to come up and fish. That's what I tell everybody. So everybody that can fish, come fish. And if you don't know how to fish, we'll figure it out. Because I would still (laughs) love to have you on the boat because we will catch them by the end of the day. So, Oh, one last thing. Sorry. Tangent here. I do offer a $100 gift card for the biggest fish of the year. Right now it is being led by a lady angler at six pounds and one ounce. Jeez. So she's got the fish to beat, yeah.
3: That's and, awesome. Uh, it was
4: funny. I was joking around like two minutes after she got hers. I was like, oh, I just want to catch a six-pounder. It's been like four weeks because they let me fish <laughs> from them. I caught one that was like six four. <laughs> like two Jeez. minutes later. yeah, you know? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I was like, this is a really big fish. I'm sorry. Like, do you want to reel it in? No. All right. Like, it's a big one. <laughs>
3: what do you think the length on that fish is?
4: It was 22 and a quarter I measured it. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I'm. that day alone, we had nine fish over 20 inches.
3: Nice. Hey, see, I went eight years without catching a 20 until this year down down here. Congrats. (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate it.
4: I don't know. I need to start keeping track of how many 20s I catch because there's been, I'd say we probably put over 20 over 20. No, 50 over 20 this year in the boat. That's awesome. It's been a fun year.
3: That's awesome. Well, cool, man. You want to let everybody know where they can follow you and find you or how to book a, anything? Before you so
4: end? on um, Instagram, it's Full Fishing Guide Service, Andrew Full. Um, email is Full Fishing Guide Service at gmail.com. Uh, my Facebook, I believe, is Andrew Full Bass Guide and Tournament Angler. Don't quote me on that, but it's very close. Or so you can even add me on the social, social like my personal page, it's Andy Full. I answer to everybody pretty much immediately um phone number is 716-535-0908 call me i don't care so let's talk let's go fishing and uh, i do take a deposit it's a hundred dollars if you do want to book a day or two or three it's just 100 deposit and we go from there
3: awesome man sounds good buddy thank you guys yeah. josh who do we got next week
2: um i think we got john thomas from yak gadget coming
3: Sweet. It's our next scheduled
2: one. So he's,
3: he's a return guest for like the fourth time. So yeah. Well, I figured
2: we'd get him on since he's got that, um, that new rod staging system. I don't think we've talked about it yet. No, we haven't. And it's gaining a lot of popularity, and there's a lot of people who really like it, and then there's a lot of people who don't like it, or not necessarily don't like it, but they're worried about it. So yeah. There's
3: a lot of people that haven't used it yet. You know,
4: there's questions there's, to be answered
2: yeah yeah what so what andrew for you know how kayaks are how we have our little gear tracks on the side right mm-hmm. and one thing that a lot of people love especially river people is um horizontal rod storage and so he's made a system it's a track mounted system where you can put your rods to your left and right um, And then it's even got like a, a wider opening with like a clip system To put your paddle in the middle of them mm-hmm. But the way that system Rolls is it's adjustable where you can it Slide it like kind of more in To the kayak a little bit like right above Your gunnel walls or like out Like in a sense above the water a lot of people Are very weary about it being above the water So they don't knock around.
4: Justifiably down. so
2: So mm-hmm. um, It's you know it's it's kind of It's one of those things like, yes, that runs true. But I mean, I've also done that with my internal type rod storage stuff. I've knocked rods. I've thrown rods in the water. So haven't we all? Like not even on purpose, but totally on accident, you know? (laughs) Yep. I haven't gotten that mad yet, but don't, you know... Don't don't knock that one out yet because I might eventually chuck just a rod in the water until so you throw like, like um,
4: an X Matrix Douglas rod with a <laughs> Shimano Antares forty feet from the boat and you can't get it and then now you're out of grand. <laughs> oh so, like it. I would could cry. You imagine I'd cry. So, uh, Oliver, nah, uh, I believe it's Oliver and I just posted a video a couple of days ago of casting a swim bait setup. And he almost went swimming for because all of his setups are like a grand, right? Yeah. And it goes like 15 feet from the boat, just straight oh. out of his hands. And you can hear it, he casts and it kicks a big bird's nest. You just "Shoo!" and just shoots oh. right out of his
3: hand. <laughs> so I, I did that a couple weeks ago with a Douglas rod and a Corrado K, which yeah. is not as much, but it, it luckily it was right next to my boat. It just dropped right down in the water. I freaked out. It happens. About, about fell in so.
4: yeah it happens yep gotta be careful but yep. all right
2: well andrew thank you for joining pleasure. us man we'll uh have you on again anytime you want to come on and talk fishing man appreciate yeah. it
4: let let me know when you need somebody to talk and if i'm free i'm i'm always game so cool thank Sorry, you again, guys yeah
3: no problem brad you want to take us out yep thanks for listening guys we'll see you next week uh with yak gadget john thomas and You guys have a good weekend. See
0: ya. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin.